0: All right, let's get into the Word of the Living God. Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2. I spent a little bit more time on that than I should have, but we're all right. (laughs) Okay. Malachi chapter 2. Malachi is a book that uh, bloodies noses, uh, if you haven't noticed. It will beat you half to death, especially if you're the one having to prepare a sermon uh, from a book that is beating compromised priests and and leaders half to death. Uh, so I have been gutted through the study of Malachi, and I stand before you a man who understands that I have nothing to offer you in and of myself. Amen. Well, you didn't have to agree so quick. <laughs> I mean, amen, that's good, but no, uh, you're right, Amen. I really do have nothing in and of myself. I have no righteousness. And every time I read this book, every time I read the book in general, it just reveals areas in my life where I need and depend on the Lord Jesus Christ. Does it do that to you? Thankfully, it leaves us with hope that the Lord Jesus Christ does bring about restoration and sanctification and growth and maturity. And so I'm leaning into that and I'm trusting God in what he is doing through me, and that my weakness will prove to show his strength as being perfect. When we open up this book, we're going to start in uh, chapter 2, verse 10. We've already been looking at, if you remember from last week, the putrid priests, okay, and uh, we looked at how these priests were offering these blind sacrifice and how it was detestable to the Lord, that it, it was disgusting to him, it was a stench in his nostrils. He even said of those that were bringing these detestable sacrifices and the lame animals, he told them, he said, here's what I'm going to do. You've brought this lame, pathetic sacrifice in here and you've offered it up to me thinking that you're going to get blessing. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn your blessing into a curse. And he takes the, the poop, the feces, the excrement of the animal and smears it on their faces. Scat. There's all kinds of words you could use for that. We'll keep it G-rated. Although there is a scripture, uh, scubula is the, uh, isn't that how you say it? Scubula is the Greek term for it. That Paul uses, and there is, to my understanding, an old farmer's uh, translation that, uh, that has the, 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 the real word in it. I won't read from that translation today. <laughs> Bottom line is, we painted a picture last week of this, this instance where God is going to say, I'm going to put animal feces on your face. So that the whole world knows and can see and smell you coming from a mile away. That's how disgusting it is. You say, that's a disgusting picture. I don't know if that should be said in church. I'm just reading the Bible. But God has a way of doing this. In other places of Scripture, it says that all of your righteousness is as filthy rags as a lot of translations, which is a very, very easy translation. The literal translation is dirty minstrel garments. Or used uh, women's products that's literally what your righteousness looks like to God we have no even our righteousness is nasty right like men don't even want to go into the store and buy that stuff before it's been used right (laughs) you know what I'm saying just think about all your righteousness being post-use no no, you're like, you shouldn't bring that image in people's minds. Again, I'm reading the word of the living God, right? He does this over and over. This gives you the, you say, that's disgusting. I'm, that's the whole idea. You know, God tells Ezekiel, is like, I'm going to make you uh, cook human poop and eat it. Did you know that? <laughs> Ezekiel's like, nah, God, He's like, I ain't never put anything unclean in my mouth. You know the compromise they came to? He's like, all right, you can, you can bake cow poop and eat that instead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was to demonstrate that the sins of God's people committed against him. It's disgusting. And so we talked about this last week. I won't go any further on that. Here we get to this place. To where, and and we talked about how the priests were supposed to be guarding the knowledge of God. We talked about how it wasn't just the 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 priests who were doing these things, but it was the people. But the people needed to be uh, seeking instruction, and and how it was supposed to be done was was for them to for the priests. They were supposed to be leading people away from iniquity, not to iniquity, and their demonstrable, horrible, wicked, deplorable offerings were leading people to iniquity because the people could see their half-heartedness, they, the people could tell that they were hypocrites, the people could tell that they did not really love God, and it led the people down the same path of offering these disgusting sacrifices. Well, We're going to start in verse 10, and I'm going to read through verse 16 at least, and then we'll see how far we get. But today, I want to unpack for you this, these two evils that we see flow out of this this, uh, this wrong offering or this This hypocritical service to God. Let's see. I've got it on here. Uh Uh-oh. She disappeared. All right. Please stand to your feet for the reading and the hearing of God's word. Maybe they can get that back up. Malachi chapter 2 starting in verse 10. Have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless, and and abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why doesn't he? Because the Lord has witnessed between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless. Though she is your companion and your wife by covenant... You may be seated. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. Did I do something up here? All right. If it works, we'll use it. If it doesn't, it's fine. It's more for your benefit than mine. There it goes. Okay, so let's break down first verses 10 through 12 and let's look and see what the Lord would have to say to us. Starting in verse 10 Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless. And abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. So we see this come out in the text that God is leveling Malachi, God through Malachi, is leveling this charge against the people of God, against Judah. And he says this, He says, "'Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another?' So the biggest charge against them, or the first charge against them, is that they're being faithless to one another. But it's odd how he starts that out, or at least in my thinking it is, because he says, "'Do we not all have one Father? Do we all not have one Creator? Why then are you faithless to one another?' So the, the fact that God has created us all and, and brought us into this fellowship and has brought us in to be His people, and, and let's never forget that He's speaking to Judah. He's speaking to the ethnic people of Israel who He has set apart to be His people and to worship Him and to be obedient to Him. And He is saying, are we not all one people? And if I am the Father, remember he asked at the beginning of the book, he said, if fathers are honored and, and masters are feared, where's my honor? Where's my fear? You remember that? Here he's saying that if, if it's true that I am the Father, if there is one Father, and that's me, and that, we, that I created all of you, then why are you not unified? Why are you not committed to one another? Why are you not, instead of faithless to one another, why are you not faithful to one another? In other words, why are, you not, why are you not fulfilling one another in every area of life as you exist underneath my care? If you were actually my children, and I actually made you, and I actually brought you together, then how is it that you are being uh, faithless to one another and turning on one another? How absolutely relevant is that, is that in our time today? The church is so divided that we are eating our own. I'm not going to get thrown off on that right now. I want to to show you that he's beginning even right here to start to outline two issues that are going to be brought out in the second part of this chapter. Number one will be divorce. Number two will be intermarriage with the nations or idolatrous worship, compromise faithlessness and compromise, okay? We'll break that down here in just a, just a minute. I, I wanted to put this up here for you, so I want to see if this works. The reasoning behind it was so that I could ru- write on this thing, so we'll see if that works. I'm still looking for my TV, and we, with COVID and everything, it put everything on hold, so maybe we'll have that one day. But let's look at this. So I, just in passing, I want, to know, I want you to notice this. Why then are we faithless to one another? You see that one another? The way that you interact with each other will tell on your relationship that you have with God. We see this in the New Testament as well. We understand that Jesus well john in his in his letter, tells us all about and Jesus says it too that we're to love one another even as he has loved us and as he and the Father are one, so we should be one too. But in the letter of John, we know that by this we know that we have come to know him if we have love one for another. So this unity is, is always Old Testament and New Testament. The love and faithfulness that we have to one another is the evidence that we have faithfulness and unity with God. Now I've told you a thousand times, if i told you once, I need to hear it too. Until we get this relationship right, until the vertical is right, let me, let me talk to every individual person in this room. I'm looking at husbands. I'm looking at wives. I'm looking at sons. I'm looking at daughters. I'm looking at me. I promise you this. I was telling a young man this yesterday. I, he said he was going to be here today. If he is, I don't see him. I hope he is, and I just don't see him. I told him this. He was worried about all of these different things that he needs to do in order to make his life right. I told him this. I said, brother, until you get the relationship right with the Lord Jesus Christ, until you seek first the kingdom of God, all of these other things will be wasted. All of these other things will be broken. All of these other things will be lacking. Because until you are fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot fulfill the needs of anyone else. Until you are full of faith, full. Filled up full of faith. Jesus Christ said, I came so that you may be filled up full. Until you are filled up full of faith, you cannot be faithful to anyone else around you. That's the way it works. Because... We're all continual worshipers 24, day, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And if you're not worshiping God, who's the only one that can fill you up, you will be looking to use and abuse and manipulate everyone around you in order to fulfill your desires because they can't do it. And it will never end. I speak to you single ladies out there. You think that you, fi- you need to find a man in order to fulfill you. That's a lie straight from the pits of hell from d- the devil's mouth himself. Jesus Christ fulfills you and only when you're fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ should you even attempt to see about a relationship with a man and then the only reason you should consider that is if that man is in love with the Lord Jesus Christ and is filled up full because if he ain't filled up full of the Lord Jesus Christ he'll drain you dry you can take that to the bank I promise I ain't lying If you've got a man who doesn't love the Lord, kick his tail to the curb, come get me, I'll do it for you with joy. So, You dudes out here too, hey, some of y'all looking around, you, you oh, don't know where to find a good woman, I don't know where to find a good woman. You go into the bar, you're like, oh, I don't know where to find a good woman. I promise you they're probably not over there unless they're evangelizing. <laughs> well, they're not always the ones in church. Some of them ladies are crazy, Right? Because remember, church women sometimes at church to try to find a man, so they just a man hunter in the church. I don't know how much they care about the church. What you got to do is examine, examine. I'm talking to the men and the women in the place. Look, you hey, don't jump in bed, literally or metaphorically. Don't jump in bed with some joker or some nincompoop. I'm telling you, you got to put the brakes on. You got to examine them. You, and you know how you examine them? You test them according to the word of God. You know the problem is y'all don't know the word of God. And the ones who do, don't get mad at me, I wasn't talking to you. The ones who don't, don't get mad at me. I don't write the mail, I just deliver it. How are you going to be able to test the man to see if he's a man of God if you have no clue what a man of God is? Some of us so so just enthralled with just having somebody that will compromise the things of God, you say, where did you get off on this tyrant? I don't know, but I thought it was all right, so we went on with it. (laughs) No, no, no. Because to enter into a relationship with someone of the world is to break relationship with the God that's out of this world. Did you get that? To enter into a relationship with the people of this world is to break relationship with the God that's out of this world. You cannot have two masters. You cannot serve two masters. You say, what does this got to do with Malachi? Well, look. Here was the problem. The two problems were divorce, faithlessness, okay, intermarriage, compromise. It's the same two problems that we see over and over and over. Over. Do you remember uh, the great famous passage in uh, Jeremiah chapter two, um, verse thirteen? Check out Jeremiah chapter two, verse thirteen. Listen to what he says here, and tell me it's not just. The same exact problem. Worded in a little bit different way. Let's start in verse 10. For cross to the coast of Cyprus and sea. Or send to key, uh, Kadar and examine with care. See if there has been such a thing. Has a nation changed its gods, even though there are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O oh heavens, at this. Be shocked and utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. Now this is going to get good here in just a little bit. Because I was up till 2 a.m. last night hunting and searching to show you what the Lord was revealing to me. And, well, I say it's going to be good. I can only hope because it was really ran, random. But I hope it comes out today in a, in a way that you can see. This. I want to show you this theme, this, this theme of flowing rivers of water and how it connects with marriage, with the, with the, the Lord and his bride, and with the man and his wife. So we'll see how that all falls out. But just, I want you to pay attention to the metaphor, the theme of flowing water. Okay? He says, be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be uttered, desolate. For my people have committed two evils. One, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And two, they have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Two evils faithlessness they've forsaken me who the fountain of living water that never ends it is a river of living water it never ends they have forsaken me they've divorced me and they have entered into engagement and relationship carving out uh, cisterns or, or vessels in order to have another type of water but they have holes all in them and they can't even hold water so you're trying to pour pour water in it but before you can get it up to drink it it's run out the bottom see the picture they can't get fulfillment here so they're just they're needy people manipulative people they're they're wicked people and at first you enter into relationship with them thinking that They're going to fulfill you, but the only reason they're appealing to you is that they are convinced that you can fulfill them. And So they'll they'll scratch an itch for a moment until they grab you by the jugular to suck the life out of you. God is the only one who doesn't do that. God is the only one who doesn't do that. Your mother will do that. Your father will do that. Your sister will do that. Your brother will do that. Your boyfriend will do that. Your husband will do that. Your wife will do that. If they're not filled up full of the Lord Jesus Christ. They will suck the life right out of you. Only God is able to give life. Only God is able to give life because God is life. Everything else is death. And this is love. Not that we loved God. But that God loved us and gave His only Son as a propitiation for our sins. It is only through the Lord Jesus Christ that you could be fulfilled in such a way that you would be able to give in a way that is godly and that is not manipulative that's why all of your righteousness is filthy filthy rags apart from the Lord Jesus Christ but remember what Jesus said to the lady at the well in John chapter 4 he's like lady if you knew it was asking you for a drink of water you would have asked me and I would have I would have given you water that would have welled up in you I would have placed it in you that it would have welled up in you to rivers of eternal life so you see this picture here, <clears throat> Jeremiah two thirteen. We see this water, we see this um, these evils. So divorce. <clears throat> and I'm I'm and I, admittedly I'm going to be jumping around a little bit today, but I want to show you a few different things because all of this is going to surround a family motif. Okay, uh, motif is just like a theme. You know this. Sorry. Uh, it's going to surround this family theme, this family motif of. Marriage, faithfulness, divorce, adultery, um, what, what products come from an adulterous relationship, what, what type of offspring come from a, an adulterous relationship, what type of outcome do you have with your God when you're in an adulterous relationship with your God. And we'll, we'll see a bunch of that. I think our nation as a whole is in an adulterous relationship with the God. I think, I think you can see Malachi just overlay the United States. That at one time it was blessed because many of our forefathers, if not the vast majority of them, uh, were, were theot- Christian theists who had a Christian worldview and built our Constitution on a Christian worldview. And we have strayed so far away from that that we have despised the living, despised the living God. And in about the past 40 years, we've murdered 62 million children on the, on the altar of Baal, Baal. And the blood is on our hands. Because the church has been silent. How have we been silent? It's time to rise up. Uprising is inevitable. We cannot do it anymore. We have to voice what the word of God says. Okay, that was a little side note. Free, no extra charge, as Hambone says. Okay, so divorce and idolatry, divorce and intermarriage. Okay, so look back. Verse 12, let's, let's jump, let's get out of this. So, Judah has been faithless and abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. So, the whole nation of Israel, the, the, you know, all the people are supposedly God's people. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord. So, this is this bringing of horrible, deplorable uh, sacrifices and, and acting as if they're good, which he loves. And, here's a second, so that's faithlessness. You love things more than you love God. You're leaving him. You, you're not getting your sustenance. You're not getting your purpose, your passion, your power from him which he, which he, his his sanctuary, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign God. So there's the, there's the idolatry, there's the intermarriage, okay? Uh, There is the, the going after the world to, to get the, the fulfillment that you were supposed to be getting in the sanctuary of the Lord when you enter into relationship with God. Are we following so far? That's pretty straightforward. So let's watch what flows out of that. So, so they profaned, they profaned the sanctuary of the Lord. And he loves his sanctuary. He loves the gathering place. He loves where he meets with his people. He loves us. Uh, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. So you might say, well, this is the basis of racism. Because what they're saying is, is that, you know, ethnic Jews can't marry Palestinian. Uh, they can't marry, you know, they, they can't mar- intermarry with the Philistines. They can't intermarry with the Amalekites. They can't. But it wasn't so much about crossing ethnic lines as it was crossing religious lines it 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 really had nothing and we see that with uh uh, moses marrying the ethiopian woman it's not about color of skin it's not about nationality it's about who do they worship who is their god who are they committed to where do they find their fulfillment who do they sacrifice to who is their god okay we find the equivalent to this um in the new testament uh, where paul tells the corinthians he says uh, that we are not to be yoked together with an unbeliever so we understand that the text there is teaching us that we are not to join ourselves together with someone who does not believe as we believe and this yoke idea if you know if you can picture oxen pulling a plow together, the yoke is the thing that goes around their neck, and they're yoked together because they're used tandemly as one to pull the plow. Remember how Jesus said, uh, no one who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is worthy of the kingdom of heaven. That you're just a bunch of oxen, right? Right. And that we're all yoked together. Jesus said, my yoke is easy my burden is light. And that we're yoked together in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going in one direction. Oftentimes there would be an, an oxen that was yoked in a different way. Or his yoke would come undone. And he was going in a, in a different direction. He was, he was fighting. He didn't want to go in that direction. He didn't want to do the work that was at hand. He didn't want to be a part of this team. He, he was here by uh, some some other way that he should never have been there. And so the problem is that he would keep pulling the plow off and, and tearing up the fields, destroying the crops, de- destroying what they needed to survive, which is the exact same picture. That's why I'm telling you. That's why I'm telling you. Parents, you better be on guard. You better be on guard. Listen, I got three boys. They're starting to like girls. My oldest boy four, just turned 14. He's got a little girl that he likes, and, and we like her. I know her dad, I know her mom, I've done background checks, theology checks, I've talked to their pastors, I know exactly, uh, y'all think I'm kidding. <laughs> now he's a state trooper, he probably did a background check on me, right? Uh, yeah, that was, I had to do a little explaining, you know. Well, you know, what happened was, <laughs> no, but uh, uh, I, I know the family, I know where they go to church, I know who they interact with you know we're we're always asking you know um so he wants to last night he went they went bowling with his mom with her mom and dad and one of his little buddies and uh you know okay who's gonna be there who's gonna be watching you where you know who all's going what friends are going what are they like do they believe in the lord jesus and and so we've got to guard why because i'm telling you right now parents some of y'all just like, well, we just let them choose. Oh no! Hey, you, hey, you drinking the Kool-Aid when you done said that? You crazy? They can't even choose matching socks, right? And you want to let them go out there and choose a mate, a, a a future possible bride, a future possible husband, and you ain't done no checks. You don't know what they believe. People think I'm kidding when I say the man, the boy that comes calling on my daughter, he will get a theological exam. He really, no, I'm not kidding. Like, I've got this one written out. I know exactly what the fundamentals of the faith are. I know what the text says, and he will have to answer questions. He will get grilled, and it will be much worse than it was when they uh, sent me before the 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 people over the Southern Baptist Convention to do my ordination it will be worse than that I promise you that because this this joker I'm gonna give him my baby I ain't giving my baby to no joker and I will kill somebody like I don't care right I've watched a lot of NCIS and I know how to hide a body hey 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 rewind that back I, was, I I forgot the NCIS would have never had that on camera. Oh, Joe, yeah. <laughs> hey, I got an in, baby. I got an in. Listen, you see the text. You see how brokenhearted God is because not only are they not in love with him, but they're in love with somebody else. I want to read for you uh, Psalm 106, and I just want you to listen. I posted this the other night um, on Facebook, and one guy got it. He, he knew exactly where I was going with that, and, and he nailed it. I want to read this to you, and I want to see if it just rings any bells, okay? And, and I hope that as I'm reading and as I'm preaching today, you're thinking about this on a level of, of how, it, how this is intertwined into our own personal lives, How it's intertwined into our city, how it's intertwined into our county, our state, our nation, our world. Watch this: Psalm one hundred six, starting in verse thirty-four, talking about the Israelites. They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord commanded them, but they mixed with the nations and and learned to do as they did. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. They poured out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. Thus they became unclean by their acts and played the whore in their deeds. Listen, some of you single moms out there, some of you single dads out there, do you not know that entering into fellowship with those who serve the gods of this world, is offering up your sons and daughters to the altar of your desire and your over-eagerness to have somebody in your life to the degree that you're willing to compromise the faith. You will stand before God for that charge. Bringing an idolatrous, demonic, idol worshiper into your home, To play daddy. To play mommy. Because you can't stand to be alone. You better test that joker. You better test that woman. Don't offer your daughters up on that altar. Don't offer your sons up on that uh, that altar. He says this. He says. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob. Any descendant of the man who does this who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. So we read 106 and it and it talks about the the amazing horrible reality of the nation of Israel that had had spurned the things of God and had had moved away from God and 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 got into bed with this with the nations and, and started serving their idols. And it says that this intermarriage made the streets run with blood. 62 million murdered babies. 62 million murdered babies. It's the greatest number of any genocidal massacre. And there is no competition. And we play politics to maybe, maybe stop abortion. You say, why you keep hitting abortion? I believe it is, along with others, but it is the number one blight on American history. If you want to know the truth of how I feel about it, I believe it overshadows slavery. I believe it overshadows the Jewish Holocaust. For it outnumbers them by millions and millions and millions. That's not to take away at all from American slavery. That's not to take away at all from the tragic horrors of the Holocaust. But that's to say you cannot with a clear conscience look at those things and say that was evil and wish to abolish that evil. And it should have been abolished, and it was. We should have went to war, and we did. But look at the 62 million babies whose blood flows through the streets and not say it needs to be abolished today. Or we go to war today. Well, it goes on. And <clears throat> this sec- second thing uh, you do, you cover the Lord's... Let me move over here now. And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, what is he, why does he not? Because the Lord has, was witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Okay, I'm going to speed up a little bit. I'm running out of time. Um, the first thing, and we've already, we've already touched on the second thing, but the first thing is the divorce, okay? The second we see here tied in with the divorce, is this idea of, of compromise, faithlessness, uh, abandonment of God in pursuit of other gods and other here it's the actual act of divorcing your wife so we see divorce outlined a little uh more clearly here and we'll start to see him lean into this idea of pursuing after other things watch this he says did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union and what was the one god seeking godly offspring so guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth so we see the idea of divorce and we see the idea of of intermarriage into the nations to other women here i think it is fairly significant if you go back up to uh verse let's see the first time he says he says it a couple times he says fair from your hand uh in verse 15 He says, did he not make them one, talking about the husband and the wife, did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit, we'll talk about that too more in a second, and what was the one God seeking, godly offspring, so guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. So the picture here, as one commentator pointed out, is that these, these supposed men of God had started to offer blind and horrible sacrifices to the Lord. They were not fulfilled in the Lord anymore. They were not fulfilled in the wife of their youth anymore, which would paint a picture of the wife that they married when they were younger men. And so by just logical biblical implications that these ladies had gotten older with them. And so these were their wives who were older, probably their same age or a little younger. Usually in this culture, you would marry a younger woman, a, a, a woman that was a fair amount younger than you many times. And so the idea is, is that he married in his youth a very young girl. And when they got older, that the Israelites seemed to be falling out of love, if they were even ever in love with the Lord, and that they were putting aside the wives of their youth who have gotten older And the understanding is that they were pursuing other younger brides from the nations surrounding them, who, by contrast, would have been a lot looser, generally speaking. There there were, well, you know, Israel had its own problems. But, you know, in the Amalekites, the Hittites, all of these people, they had many sexual gods, and they would have uh, sexual freedom supposed freedom that the israelites wouldn't have and so you can imagine the temptation of some of these older men who had older wives and they were ditching their older wives and getting newer versions that were looser and would do more things and were more open to other things and were younger is that anything new newer version newer model Faster, American men trade wives like they do sports cars. And oftentimes you can't tell. He's a supposedly good man, so that's all the more reason to really examine him. I'm not going to go down that road and beat that dead horse again, but it's so, so crucial to know who it is that you're entering into that relationship with. It's so crucial, so crucial well look what he says i want to, I want to point out a couple of different things he says did he not make them one <clears throat> with a portion of the the spirit look over with me to first corinthians Man, i just never have a, enough time to really open up uh, we're going to do that we're going to do that soon i'll keep saying that we're going to do it victoria was was holding me on accountable on it the other day we're going to look at uh first corinthians chapter six So he says here in the Old Testament Malachi, says, did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? So the relationship that a man has with his wife or a man has with a woman when they enter into a sexual relationship and they have sexual intercourse, it is this bonding of the union between the two that is on a spiritual level. You see, America has so, so weakened the idea of sex and so just calloused everybody to it that everybody just thinks it's just just another thing you do. And it's lost all meaning. It's lost all power. It's lost all significance. And it's become such a degraded act that it's it's no longer significant in the mind of most Americans. It's just a sales technique. It's been monetized. And if you say, well, I don't sell my body for money. Well, you climb in bed to get a man to live with you. I mean, it's just another form of monetization. You climb in bed to get a woman to, to do favors for you. It's just a, it's just a tr- okay, so you didn't pay her money. You're just trading services is, is all it is. You know, for that sexual pleasure, then you'll offer these things. But you've not entered into a real true covenant relationship before God but what you don't understand is is that there's spiritual ramifications that exist in reality that are bigger than what you think you can't just lay down with somebody and have sex with them and think that's all it is it's a spiritual thing you're giving a a part of yourself away that you that you don't get you don't understand it's bigger than us you say that what are you talking about you're just on a tirade now Paul says it this way he says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? And just to understand this, this idea here is just of a loose woman. So you think, that, you think that, well, I'm not selling my body. I'm not sleeping around with 10 different men. Do you not understand that in God's eyes and in God's book, if you're sleeping with anybody that's not a covenantal husband or a covenantal wife, that you, you're just a hooker? Amen. That's all you are. You're just giving yourself away for your own pleasure. That's, that's just, you're just giving something else other than money. Is that hard? Is that tough teaching? It needs to be said. If you're sleeping with somebody that's not your covenant wife or your covenant husband, then you're just a hooker. You're whoring around on God and on your future spouse. That's it. There is no friends with benefits. There is no, you know, just a little hankering, fulfilling, scratching, and itch. And that's, the, that's, the, that's what they were saying here. I mean, I ain't got really time to get into it, but I'll, I'll show it to you. Paul's dealing with the same thing because the Corinthians were super loose. They were like, I got a scratch, I itch it. If I'm hungry, I eat. If I, got, if I got a need for release, I have sex. What's the big deal? And that's what Paul's explaining. You say you're making that up. I'll read it to you. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. He said sexual intercourse, sexual activity is not like any other function of the body. It's not like a scratch that you itch or an itch that you scratch. It's not like being hungry and so you eat a little food. It's on a supernatural level, which leads into what we're saying. He says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never That's what that's what the text says why I did that. You see the exclamation mark? That's how he, that's how he's writing it. Never. But we're like, ah maybe, I don't know. Maybe. How dedicated are you to abstinence before marriage? How dedicated are you to saving yourself for your husband? And you say, well, I've already messed that up, Brandon, way back in the day. His blessings are new every morning. True redemption lasts and is given by the Lord Jesus Christ. You lay down those sins on the altar today, and the Bible says that if, you can, if you're faithful and just to confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us all unrighteousness and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can be brand new today. You say, well, I want to talk about sex because that's what the Bible says. And the, and the Old Testament picture in Malachi is the picture of a, of a whoring bride that has stepped out on God and getting her fulfillment elsewhere. That's the picture. Instead of doing what? We'll see that in just a second. Proverbs chapter 5. But let's continue on right here. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, now you might be thinking that, well, of course it does. Like if you're actually going to have sex, then the two kind of got to become one, you know. But he's not just meaning fleshly. It's bigger than that. Watch what he says. For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So when you are born again, you become one spirit with the Lord. You become one with him. His spirit dwells inside of you. You are now the temple of the living God. You are now the dwelling place of God among his people. You are the one who carries Christ everywhere you go. You are the one that is the place where God dwells, the tabernacle where Christ tabernacles among his people. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Look what he says. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. You see what he did? He said, when you, lay down with, uh, when you lay down with a prostitute, you become one with her. But you who are believers have already become one with the Lord. What does he say after? Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple and the Holy Spirit uh, of the holy spirit within you whom you have from god you are not your own you were bought with a price so glorify god in your body shall we join god together with a prostitute may it never be and you could take this across any lines it's actually talking about actual literal sexual behavior you said you say you said sex 15 times my kids are in here you'd rather hear it from me than where they're already hearing it from i promise you that And let me tell you something, kids. Those of you who are toying with the idea of playing sex as a game, those of you who think that you can just have sex with your boyfriends and with you, and those you guys out there, you think you can have sex with your girlfriend and ain't gonna hurt you? It will rip apart your life. It will rip your head off and spit down your throat. And I promise you that you will not be able to recover unless it's through the powerful, in, in overwhelming overarching miraculous power of the Holy Spirit through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ I say that as the sternest possible warning I can you think it's just oh well we just had some fun I don't know how else I could say it other than that and you know the way to avoid all of that yeah just don't do it you know that would be a good way. Yeah. But how you don't do it. Yeah, dudes, hey, listen, keep your, your, your button buttoned and your fly zipped, and we will avoid these problems. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how do you keep the button buttoned and the fly zipped. And remember, we're we're talking about this on a literal level because it does actually literally affect you and me, our children. It affects all that. But remember, there's greater implications here in the text. Is that what we're actually talking about in in a significant, real eternal way is the steadfastness and the devotion that we have to God and not stepping out on God and committing adultery on God and, and loving other idols and trading Him for other idols. Let's go back to Malachi. Watch what he says here. Now, I've skipped over a good bit of it, but it'll be all right. Verse 16, watch what he says here. Now, he says, be faithful to the wife of your youth. Now, we're going to look at that in just a second because that's going to be very significant in this motif of the family and and the wife and divorce and all stuff. But look at verse 16. For the man who does not love his wife, and this is actually translated a couple different ways. The NASB translates this, God hates divorce. And he covers the man with violence. I think that's probably the better translation. The ESV and the NIV translate it the way that I'm about to read it to you here. Either way, I'll read both. One of them's got to be right. There's a variant here. Uh, It's a little bit unclear in the Hebrew. I believe contextually, I believe that the KJV and the NASB get it right. And the ESV and the NIV use the variant reading, which, you know, it's fine. It doesn't take anything really away from it. But anyway, I'll read them both. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. Um, The KJV or the NASB, uh, whichever one you prefer, they're pretty close, translates this, I got the NASB closer. I'll just pull it up. It says this way, verse sixteen: For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel, and him who covers his garment with wrong, says the Lord of hosts. So take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. King James reads fairly similar to that. I believe that this one is probably more accurate. That God hates divorce. That God hates the abandonment of men from their wives or wives from their men. But uh, the the vast majority of the divorces in that day would have been a man from a woman. A woman uh, would not a wife would not have divorced. It would have been very rare because of the cultural issues at hand. She wouldn't have been able to survive without a without a husband. Um, not in any type of situ- good situation. But anyway. So he's got this charge against him. He hates divorce. I want to show you two things right here. Watch what it does. So let's go back to ask the question. Marcus said, "I said, how do you solve this problem of sex devouring uh, your life?" And you have this in multiple different ways: um, pornography, uh, pornia, uh, sex outside of marriage, sexual immorality, homosexuality, this the whole gender things. All of this is a twisted, wicked malfunction of the brain to deplore and rebel against the natural order that god created and that is male and female in a monogamous relationship in a covenantal binding vow uh um agreement that would never be broken jesus christ himself said that what man has put together let no man separate so we understand that this is the way god created it and anytime we step outside of that norm it's devastating to us our children and everybody around us so Just to say it one more time, if you're in a relationship right now with someone, you're having sex with them, and you're not in a covenantal relationship with them, run. Run to the Lord. If it's a relationship that you want to be in, then covenant together, become husband and wife before it's too late. If it's somebody that you know you can't have a relationship with and that you can't covenant together with, then you need to find somebody that wants to do it God's way. That's tough, I know. But we must choose God. Listen to what he says. Two things. Okay, so we said, so how do we not do that? Talking a lot to the young people, but some of you uh, are still out there sleeping around too. It's just so, uh, whatever. How do we avoid that? Marcus said, keep your pants up. You know, don't do it. Well, I agree. (laughs) But how do we keep our pants up right that's the, that's the whole thing how do we keep our pants up <clears throat> watch what he says okay that's enough out of you <laughs> watch he says do not <clears throat> did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union and what was the one god seeking godly offspring so guard yourselves in your spirit guard yourselves in your spirit guard yourselves in your spirit and he says that same phrase again down in verse uh, 16 at the end he says so guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless 10 seconds on this we've talked about this many times if you want to avoid sin and you want to live righteous fulfilled lives in the lord jesus christ that will only come by walking in the holy spirit If you want a more in-depth and thorough teaching on that, go to Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 6, and really study Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, 16 says this. It says, um, But I say unto you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It goes on to say, For the Spirit is opposed to the flesh, and the flesh is opposed to the Spirit. So, you live according to the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. If you live, if you live according to the flesh, you won't gratify the desires of the Spirit. You see, it's either or, it's not both and. The proverbial offense does not exist. You are either for God or you against God. You cannot live in both those worlds. Okay? Put yourself right with God. So, we must watch ourselves, we must push ourselves. Now, um... I'm out of time, but I I wanted to show you this one thing before I I pull back. And that's this idea of marriage, uh, the wife of your youth, rivers of living water, the benefit to remaining faithful to the wife of your youth, the benefit of having a man, the benefit of having a woman who loves the Lord Jesus Christ, who is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ and is committed to you unto death. You can look with me at uh, Proverbs chapter 5. Really good teaching here. And I hope to draw some of this together and show you how all of this hinges on the person and work of Jesus Christ. Proverbs chapter 5 starting in verse 15. Proverbs chapter 5, starting in verse 15. Listen to the word of the living God. Drink water from your own cistern. Flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? (laughs) You know what he's saying. (laughs) It's like, you know, I don't know, it's crazy. He's like, don't, don't just give away your water. Don't throw your water everywhere, right? Verse 17. Let them be for yourself alone and do not for strangers with you. oh Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your, look, let's check this out. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Oh, this is good. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are always before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. You know, one thing, and I really got to be dumb, but I want to say this. There's a bunch of young people in the room. I want to say this. I know it's awkward. For y'all, I mean, I'm all right. (laughs) Let me tell you this, okay? Young people in the back, some young ladies around, young guys. Let me tell you this. I think that part of the biggest problem that we have in America today with the sexual supposed revolution, which is a sexual degradation and a sexual de-evolution, devaluing, I think a lot of it falls on to the shoulders of church leaders and teachers who have failed to preach on the biblical reality of the wonderful, wonderful reality of the exciting sexual relationship that God desires for a man to have with his wife. We, for years, have taught sex bad Nope, sex bad note, sex bad note. I was at a baseball game yesterday, and uh, the lady that, our friend Haley, who does the, uh, the little walk-up songs, you know, she had this new boombox thing, and it had these buttons on the top of it. And the buttons would, like, do drum noises and crowd noises. And so you had literally, like, eight. Eight-year-old boys, like, Ugh. and the game was going on. So, of course, she's like, "Don't touch that button!" And they're like, <laughs> and she looked away for one second. I promise you, all ate them at one time. Boo! <laughs> and she's like, "Stop, stop!" I think we have done this to our our youth we've done this we've said no no bad no no bad no no bad and they're like man this must be good they're trying to keep it from me (laughs) right and listen you just heard me preach a whole sermon (laughs) and at one point for some reason I said that these sexual sins that you fall into will rip off your head and spit down your throat I don't know where that came from (laughs) But that is the type of of relationship that I feel like that sexual uh, uh, sin has with those who are not keeping that within the confines of a heterosexual covenant marriage. Now, so you know I'm dead set against marriage or sex outside of marriage. But what I'm saying is, is that we can't just say, no, no, sex bad, no, no, sex bad. We've got to say, sex is evil outside the marriage bed. But it is glorious inside the marriage bed. Hey, if you don't believe me, read the Song of Solomon. Right? We're going to do a sermon series and grow tenfold. (laughs) Proverbs 5, I just read it to you. Take delight in the fountain, and you know what the fountain is, right? <laughs> I ain't telling you, and if you don't, it's the yeah. She ain't here. That's why. I, <laughs> That's a good reason to. Hey, I'll give you another one. This is me and my buddy Stephen. Last night we was talking on the computer as I we both do sermon prep. Late Saturday nights, a lot of times, and we were talking about this thing. He would throw one, and I would throw one. He would throw one, I'd throw one, and you know it says here about her breasts. And that, it holds the Bible throws not you know holds nothing back. And some of you ladies, listen, listen, y'all need to chill out a little bit. You know, you dress up for the world, and and you dress down for your man. Look, you know, get excited. Hey, man. Hey, you know, get you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know. Hey, don't give, don't give all your goods away to the world and come home dry, man. Look, hold out on them. Hold out on the world. Don't give the world your best. Men, you thank me later, okay? Listen, don't give the world your best and come home and offer seconds to your wife and left, I mean, to your husband leftovers. You saved the best for him. Man, you throw it on him, right? You know what I'm saying? I told my wife I can't get her to do it yet, but I'm waiting for her to slam me up against the wall start tearing my clothes off. I can't wait to that day. It might be in the new heavens and the new earth. When she has a redeemed mind. I don't know. I told him to cut it off right before this part. No, no. I tell you. My, my, my wife is a, is a good wife. She takes care of me. I'm telling you. Listen. Take care of your man. All jokes aside. Listen. It's, it's not on you. If, he, if that scoundrel steps out, but don't let it even have a hint that it had anything to do with you. Take care of your man and husbands. Take care of your wife. Don't give her the second round. I know men and women are different, right? Men and women are different. I understand that. Find out what makes her tick. You know, you want her to put on the lingerie. Well, maybe you should put on some dish gloves. I don't know. Whatever does it for her. <laughs> Disc gloves and a thong for Matt. I know. <laughs> oh, we have gotten derailed, son. We are out there somewhere. Somebody go get him. Tell him to come back. Listen, listen. Let me bring it back together here, okay? Let me bring it back together. Everything I've told you, while there's some humor in there, is true. Man, you are to, hey, just read Song of Solomon. It says, man, he says, this is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. It talks about her breast being the fruit. And he says, I will climb that tree and lay hold of that fruit. I told my, no, I can't say that for her. <coughs> okay, she's going to kill me later. No, she ain't. Nah, no, she ain't. Let me see if she texts me she is (laughs) nah I got a good wife I'll make it barely okay I'm just going to I'm just going to share these couple of verses with you and we're going to be done bang you can come on up I'm done I am done I am done (laughs) remember this okay so we've talked about how uh, God is the fountain, and the, the two evils are divorce and intermarriage, so idolatry. Faithlessness and uh, divorce, separation, and getting your fulfillment somewhere else. Okay? Divorce, intermarriage, idolatry. Faithlessness, idolatry. God is the fountain of living water. And, and we already knew that the husband and the wife is the little picture of the big picture of God and the church, Christ in the church. In all of these instances, in the Song of Solomon, in the Proverbs about finding delight in the wife of your youth and never finding another well to dip from, being fulfilled with her, and it does say her breasts, with her body, finding fulfillment with your husband, building him up, loving him. Enjoying him. That's why here at the well, a lot of churches and a lot of pastors believe that sexual relationship is just for procreation. I believe you can you can absolutely destroy that idea in Scripture. Yes, it's for procreation, but you cannot read the Song of Solomon and tell me it's not for recreation, too. It's it is it's for it's for relationship building, it's for intimacy. It's for being together, for laying down and touching each other's bodies. And this whole idea in the physical relationship between a husband and his wife is that they would build great intimacy, that they would be of one mind, that they would be of one body, one soul, that they would be interconnected and intertwined in such a way that they would know each other's thoughts and feelings and they wouldn't even have to talk. But we know that this is a small picture of the big picture that we are to be in that type of relationship with God. Hey, I've said oftentimes, I believe that the pinnacle point of the sexual relationship, when you get to that place of release, that 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 explosion, is. And I know that's a little awkward and graphic. That's fine. But I believe that that even in and of itself, that orgasmic experience, is a picture of the of the manifest presence of the Lord Jesus Christ descending upon his people and resting on them because I'm telling you you may not know what I'm talking about and if you don't I'm so sorry because I love to be with my wife it's one of the best things that I can possibly imagine maybe my one of my favorite things that I've ever done in my entire life but I will tell you this that moment when the Lord Jesus Christ meets with me in the still hours of the night That moment when my eyes are awakened to the spiritual presence of the Lord is better than that. I'm sorry if you don't know what I'm talking about. I love my wife more than life itself, but she can't meet my needs like Jesus can. She loves me, but I can't meet her needs like Jesus can. And my longing is to be one with God even more than I am with my wife so that I can be the, the husband that my wife needs. Jesus was the one that said, I am the fountain of living waters. He was the one that said, whoever comes to me and drinks will never thirst again. He was the one that told the lady at the well that I will create in you fountains of living waters. The, 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 the water I give you, the what I put in you will become a fountain of living water, rivers of, of water, rivers of life. And in Revelation chapter two, verse four, he says, I have this one thing against you. You've left your first love, the wife of your youth, uh, in this instance, the husband of your youth, your first love. I ask you today, in all of the crazy talk about sexual relationships and your wife's breasts, have you come to a place where you realize that maybe, just maybe, you don't even know what I'm talking about? That you don't even know what type of relationship that would be with the Lord Jesus Christ? That you've never had a deep, intimate encounter with Christ that rocked your world to the core? Have you been compromising? Have you been sleeping around on God? Whether it be by sleeping around outside of marriage and finding your fulfillment in places that can't even hold water. So Jesus says, you're, you're not getting pleasure. Jesus said, I'm not wanting to keep you from getting pleasure. We go back to that idea, and we've told our kids, no, 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 no. But why are we telling them no? Are we following that up with no now so it's a great yes later? Because if you say yes now in a putrid way and in an uncommitted way to, to guys and girls who are just robbing you of innocence, if you say yes now, then it takes away from the glorious yes later. You're not giving anything up by being committed to the Lord Jesus Christ in this thing. But you are building up anticipation and expectation that it will explode in a life and an experience that you've never experienced in your life, physically and spiritually. This real talk today. Real and raw, and I'm telling you, you've got these things in your life get rid of them because he is worthy and he is enough and he is more than you could possibly imagine and he will take your relationship with your husband your wife and he will turn it into the most hot sizzling intimate romantic relationship that you could possibly imagine if you both put him first give everything that you have to him today come and do business with God